Let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. Oh God, help us to hear your voice in this world, your voice in our lives, and to trust in that guidance and that wisdom and that love, just as Jesus did when he was here. Help us to trust your voice and to listen for it. Amen. And so from that text, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. What's in a name, a rose by any other name, would smell as sweet? Who said that? Shakespeare from Romeo and Juliet. So what is in a name? So the year was 1947, and for that one year, I was number one. Number one, or should I say my name was number one, John. In that year, John was number one among all the names selected for baby boys in the United States. That year, 90,000 kids were given the moniker John, and it's been downhill ever since. Though I guess I do take comfort in the truth that John is still more popular in Massachusetts than just about any other state. And yet, John is now the 27th most popular boy's name. So for the curious, in 2019, does anyone want to guess what the most popular boy's name was in the United States? Liam. And the most popular girl's name? Sophia. So what is in a name? Well, usually a story. Like I've told you before, I was named for President-elect John F. Kennedy. I was born on the day he was elected. Many of us are named for relatives, for moms or dads or aunts or uncles. A name as a way of remembering and honoring the past and our heritage. In some Jewish circles, it is considered important to name a child after a living relative in the ideal that some of the virtues of the named for will live on in the named. And in other circles, a child is asked to be named after a deceased relative, hoping somehow that the soul of that loved one might live in this new life. What is in a name? The author of the biblical book of Samuel wrote of one character in that story, like his name, so is he. Meaning that sometimes our lives are very strongly shaped by the name we are given at birth. I know that for me, JFK was my boyhood hero and I always knew somehow I would work in public service like him, and I do. Or if you are a junior in a family, or if you are named for someone in your direct family, sometimes living in that legacy, it can be good, something to aspire to, or it can be hard, sometimes a burden. Maybe you feel weighed down with it. Well, how can I ever be like her? What is in a name? A lot. A lot of freight, a lot of weight, a lot of memory, a lot of meaning. 
From the day we are born until the day we die, our name is with us, is us, in a very real way, and we are our names. Formal names, but nicknames, too. I was always called Jack by just one person in my life, my dad. And when he spoke that to me, I knew he was very well pleased with me, and it made my heart swell and my soul sing to hear him say that name to me. What is in a name? When we as a church participate in a baptism, when parents bring a child to the waters of life and promise to raise her or him in the faith, I always ask, by what name is this child to be baptized? And there is something very profound and sacred about hearing mom or dad say out loud the full name of that child as a public witness as a sign that this baptism is a big deal, that this child is now entering into their Christian community for the first time, formally. You know, it's not often that we hear our full name spoken out loud at a baptism, maybe at a wedding, or when we take an oath or join the military or serve as a juror. When our name goes forth publicly, we take our place in the world somehow. So... What's in your name, in your name, in the name that you were given at birth, that you claim, that you have lived with your whole life and heard spoken by hundreds, maybe even thousands of people to you? Do you like your name or do you not like your name? Has your name shaped who you are, who you've become? Or at some point, did you maybe give yourself another name? Names and being named and being named publicly for all to see and hear. Friends, that's what forms the core of the story we heard in the scripture this day, the story of Jesus' baptism. He has traveled to the River Jordan in the very first public act of his ministry, his coming out into the world, if you will. Now, this story appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And when this kind of biblical convergence happens, you can be sure that there is a big element of truth to it, and that the authors want us to pay attention. It's a beautiful, almost otherworldly story. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, a voice from heaven named him. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The beloved, that's a beautiful name, yes. Beloved in the Greek, agapetos, meaning esteemed or dear or favorite or worthy of love or precious or adored. Beloved, So when God chooses to speak out loud to the world, when the world hears God's voice, and this is an event, friends, that happens only twice in the whole New Testament, when God chooses to describe the character and the core and the heart of God's Son to a world that awaits saving, God chooses this one name, Beloved. Not Crusader, not Judge, not Sacrifice, not king, not conqueror, though all of these names will be used by humans, 
to describe Jesus. No, God's one name for Jesus is this. Belovedness. Beloved. Spoken, I think, with parental tenderness and gentleness and kindness and belovedness. To be beloved. I can't speak for you, but I know that I feel best in this life, in my one life, happy in this life, safe in this life, whole in this life, when I remember and when I trust and when I am told that I am beloved. As a child of God, as a son by my parents, as a brother by my siblings, as a friend by my friends, beloved. It's an old-fashioned kind of word. It's not used much anymore. When I put that word beloved into the Google Ngram, have you ever used this? The Ngram is an online search tool that measures the frequency of a word's usage, and it uses a database of millions of books. And so I found that beloved was most popular in the 1810s with a steady decline ever since. So what might be our modern equivalent? I think of the names of endearment like that we use for our kids, for the children in our lives. Honey, sweetie, darling, pumpkin, peanut, cutie pie, angel, sugar. What term of endearment melts your heart when spoken to you? What do you call one that is beloved to you? And when we feel beloved, I think... Anything is possible in life. We can soar. When a kid, heck, when we adults feel truly loved by another, I don't think there's any better feeling. And the opposite is true when we feel unbeloved or unworthy or put down or mocked or insulted or teased or dismissed by a name. It can be awful. In my fifth grade and 11th year, my family moved from Quincy to Springfield, just 101-mile distance, and so while my three sibs landed socially very well, I landed with a thud and a dud and mightily struggled for three years to find any friends, and so the names I was called then, they cut me to pieces to my very core, names like faggot and retard and loser Even 48 years later, I can still feel the sting and the sharpness and the hurt of those names. Then I actually thought I was all of those things. That's what happens when someone names you wrong. But name someone as loved and they thrive. Name someone as rejected or disposable or put down or a stereotype or less than, friends, and they die. Name by name by name. Just consider some of the derogatory, hateful, hurtful names being tossed about so casually in our current times by leaders, by angry citizens, by thoughtless trolls and commenters on the Internet, and even by and to our children as they type away on their phones in the darkness of their bedrooms late at night. How we name each other. Friends, it matters. It matters. The gift of faith is that God's name for us that never changes. Sons, daughters, children of God, and most important, like Jesus, we are beloved and beloved by God. Beloved by God, no matter what. And when we do church best, we create a community where we feel and are beloved by each other, where everybody knows our names 
like a spiritual cheers. You know, even as we think about how Pilgrim Church might be called to change in the years ahead, some things, some truths must never, ever change. Like when a stranger or a new person or a struggling teen or a recovering alcoholic or a lonely senior or a harried parent or an overworked executive walks in our church's front door, they must always know that they are beloved. Beloved by God, by you, and by me, with no exceptions. Beloved. As the author of the novel Beloved, Toni Morrison, wrote of such love, love is or it ain't. Thin love ain't love at all. Can't kind of beloved someone, can't sort of beloved another. Beloved says, I am all in for this love. And so there is a lot A lot in a name, in our names, in God's name for Jesus, and in the ways we name one another as fellow human beings on the road of life. And so remember this, you, my friends, you are beloved by God, always. And so we are challenged by our God to see each other as beloved too. Friend and stranger, opponent and supporter, child and parent, neighbor to neighbor, and spouse to spouse. Beloved, let all God's beloved people say, Amen.